All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to This Week in Mormons, the Sisters Edition with your hosts, Ariane Smith and Tiffany Hales, real life sisters here to share some news and sisters in the gospel, too. Yes. Well, it is the month of March. It's our time for our weekly podcast, or our monthly podcast, I should say, our week for the for recording. Yep. So, and it was actually just, you know, that's the crazy thing about February is because it has 28 days, unless it's a leap year, like we literally record 30 days later. Yeah. Although we are a little late because you all went on spring break. We did. We went on spring break seeking better weather. There was none to be found. (laughs) The entire (laughs) Western United States. Is under a cloud of suspicion or rather snow. (laughs) Maybe, maybe not Tucson. (laughs) So... Like, seriously, this is the winter that will not end ever. There was nowhere. We were literally looking at the weather on the weather app, like, you know, five days before we were supposed to leave. We went to St. George thinking it would be good there. Yes. And then we got the devastating news. So I was literally on the weather app looking up different cities in the Western United States. Can we go somewhere else? That I could drive to with like one day drive. Yeah. (laughs) Was it no go? It's not good. So anyway, here we are. Okay, my steak had steak conference this weekend. Yes. I have much to report. Now, this was a big, we learned a lot. Yes. Now, your steak is extra. We have talked about that numerous times on the podcast. We we don't hide that. My steak is extra. They're over the top. Lots of productions, lots of pageantry. But a lot of extra (laughs) has happened in the last 30 days that we did not know last time we Well, we got a new steak president because our steak president got called to be a mission president. Ah. So that happened today. New steak presidency. Very exciting. But this is the most, most exciting thing I have to report. Okay. Before we get to that, we have to pause. Uh-huh. Now, your old steak president, he'd only been in for like five years, five, yeah, six years. Like so six, not six years. Not now. a full 10. And he's uh-huh. going to what? Colorado? Colorado Springs. Now, you may recall, there was some point in a podcast, I don't know when it was, maybe it was the first time your steak did the living Christ, or maybe it was when they did their big uh, uh, Old Testament temple that I said, he's campaigning to be a mission president. Okay. Yeah. So I'm just saying, you heard it here first. That's true. <laughs> Tiffany called it. Although I will say, no one in my steak was too surprised, I don't think. <laughs> Everyone's well, like, yeah, that sounds right. It's not like he <laughs> so. like was hiding this. He was not hiding his talents under a bushel. Anyway, um, but I have two things to report about state conference besides getting a new state presidency. Okay. Um, a, the most exciting of all is we were again given a Zoom link. Oh, <laughs> Tiffany, I might never go to an in-person state conference again. Like this time you didn't for have the to, rest of my life. You this didn't time, have to qualify yes. for it because didn't last time you so, had to qualify for it by I, being sick? A year ago, you could only get the link if you had special circumstances. Okay. And my family got COVID and that was a special circumstance. I was like, oh my gosh, this is awful. And then I was like, but now we get the link. <laughs> and when it was over, I was like, worth it. <laughs> So anyway, then in the fall, we had our next state conference. And in the fall, they gave a link to everybody. And I was like, oh, the link is back. Maybe maybe they got sick of people like sending messages saying, I have COVID, can I have a link? (laughs) So in the fall, we all got the link. So I was anxiously waiting to see if in the spring we would get the link. Or no link. We got a link. (laughs) So from my like simple, like, you know, Mm -hmm. observations from friends that live in different states and different stakes. 
I think we're one of the few that is still I giving out a think link. You are one of the few. Uh, we don't do a link. So I was very happy to watch state conference in my pajamas this morning. Well, you're just warming up for next week for general conference. Yeah. It yeah. was like conference pre pre show. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, okay, but here's the other thing. Saturday night session. I did not go because my oldest daughter turned sixteen and we were out at a restaurant celebrating her birthday. Which I cannot believe she's sixteen. That blows me away. <laughs> but one of my good friends. Uh, listened on the link. She okay. watched it on the link and she sent me a message later and she was like, oh my gosh, guess what happened at evening session of state conference? Okay. The- well, knowing it's your state, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't even want to be guessing. This is actually not from our state, from the, the visiting general authority. She said, he is on the committee for the hymn book. Oh, for the new hymn book. Oh, so he gave them juicy gossip. So I am going to spread the juicy gossip hymn here. book gossip. Because if I he love said it gossip. over the pulpit, at a state conference, then I, I think it's fair game. This is fair game. So yeah. you're all welcome to listen to this juicy gossip. Okay, okay. So D- roll forth with first the juicy of all, gossip. He, you know, confirmed that there has been much delay on oh. this hymn book rollout. It's well, been four see. years. Can you believe it's been four years? I cannot believe it's been four I years. I knew it was overdue. I, couple. I knew it was overdue. Yeah, but I didn't realize it had been four years. Okay, so it's it's still delayed. It's not ready. Okay, but he did tell them. He confirmed that to them two songs that will be in the new hymn book. Oh, come thou font. Oh, and Amazing Grace. Oh, which there has been much speculation. Yes, by many members, will those make the cut? Will they be in the new yes. book? Because everybody wants them. Yes, which is funny. I don't know where Amazing Grace was in the book that preceded mm-hmm. the Green Hymn Book. But Come Their Font was in the hymn book, the, the navy blue little hymn book mm-hmm. that I had as a child growing up. I don't know if I don't you the, probably the don't. green one came out when I was like in elementary school. Exactly. So, so I you, mostly remember you the mostly green. remember the green. Yeah. And so but Come Thou Font got nixed for the green. So it found mm-hmm. sounds like it's back in rotation again. It's back in. And Yay. he had them sing it at the evening session of state conference and he oh. had them she she didn't pull it up because she wasn't listening fast enough yeah. while she was at home listening uh-huh. he sent them to some secret place on the church uh, app to pull it up and they pulled it up so i have not investigated yet mm. we need to pull up the church app type it in see if we can find it but apparently it's on there Okay, that's very even though it's not officially in the book yet it is somewhere S- hidden on the church so like app. If if I am a ward music person and I want to say, okay, we're going to sing Come Thou Font for a closing song, I can say, everybody, get your phones out right here on the app. Maybe, Maybe. If, you, if you can find where it's hidden. Interesting. So, Very anyway, interesting. That's, that's the scoop on the hymn book. We still don't have a release date, I don't believe, but... It's in the works. Okay. Well, it's kind of like the Salt Lake Temple. It keeps getting pushed back yes. and back and back and back. Yes. We'll get to that in a minute, folks. So, all right. Well, as for me, it's just been it's just been a super busy month. We had our Relief Society birthday dinner. It was a smashing success. Then they made me speak in sacrament meeting, which oh, was... Oh, you didn't tell me that. Oh, I didn't tell you I had to speak in sacrament. today? No, no, no. It was, it was last week. Mm. I had to speak in sacrament meeting. But I... I'm going to venture into a new area here. Okay. Now, next week is general conference. Um, when, when, when Jeff was the captain of our ship, he always did temple predictions. I, I don't think we are going to get the temple predictions, the likes of which, you know, we're, we're we normally get, mm-hmm. which is a bit unusual because he used to do an entire podcast, a whole podcast on, on temple, temple predictions, predictions, right? 
And we always would defer the temple stuff to Jeff because he was so good at it. And he was such like a- And he knows what countries, like we are very vague on which countries have temples. Oh, yeah. We're like- He was really good about keeping track of that. We're pretty good about like the US. Yeah, you get me outside (laughs) the US and it's even maybe questionable in the US. Anyway, so we always deferred to Jeff Mm -hmm. on that. Well, I have decided that I'm going to make my own temple prediction. Oh, you're, you're I, crossing into new territory. I am here. crossing into new territory. I am going to make my own temple prediction here. Okay. Um, well, first of all, I, I think that there will probably be more than one new temple announced, but I'm going to make a prediction about one of the new temples. You're announced. just predicting one. I'm just predicting one. Okay. Okay. In the Boise Valley here, as you know, we have two temples. We have the Boise Temple and we have the Meridian Temple. And we have grown exponentially, especially Mm -hmm. in the last few years. Right. The Meridian Temple District serves the the western half of the state of Idaho and into the eastern part of Oregon. So I think we go over at least as far as La Grande. I don't think we go over as far as Bend. I'm not really sure. But those people over in eastern Oregon have to travel at least a couple hours to get to the Meridian Temple. Mm-hmm. So I am predicting that they are going to do a third temple in what we call the Boise Valley. And the Boise Valley is not only like Boise, Nampa, Caldwell, Meridian. It's considered all the way over to the Oregon border. In fact, even into Ontario, that's all kind of one geographic region. I think that they are going to put a temple in Payette, Idaho. And here's why I think they are going to put a temple in Payette, Idaho, because they need a temple that's going to serve those, those saints in Eastern Oregon. Mm -hmm. And they don't want to do it in Oregon because there's way too many regulations in Oregon. So I think they want to build it right across the river in Payette to serve those people that live in Payette and Eastern Oregon. And I think they will call it the Payette River Temple. I think it will be a small little temple like Burley, but I'm like, if Burley can get a temple and it is literally like 20 minutes from Twin Falls and an hour from Pocatello, mm-hmm. we're going to get a third temple. Well, there. that's what I was going to say. If you had predicted this like four or five years ago before they announced Burley, I'd be like, you're crazy. Yeah. It's tiny little yeah. town. They're not getting a temple. Yeah. But now that I, now that we know Burley is, I'm like, well, it could be possible. So that's my prediction, folks. <laughs> Pay at River Temple. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll see in a week I can't if I know what I'm talking right. about. I cannot wait to see if you're right. <laughs> this will be interesting. All right. Well, we should delve into some news. Uh, we didn't have we didn't have any hosts last week, so the podcast didn't re- get recorded last week. So we have mountains, we mountains have of, news. of news. So we better start plowing we'll, through we'll our mountains to, of news. We'll try to be zippy. Okay. Biggest news this past week is BYU, Brigham Young University, got a new president. Which, did anybody see this coming? No. I didn't see this coming. It sounds like it was a surprise because they just did it at a devotional. Exactly. Like Elder Holland came and everybody just thought he was speaking at a devotional and he gets up and he's like, and now you have a new president. Well, yeah, he gets up and he's like, oh, by the way, Russell M., he sent me on assignment here. And so I got a little business to take care of. So let me tell you what my business is. So the outgoing president is Kevin Worthen. He has been in for nine years. Um, He is 66. He's 66 years old. He um, is well-loved. Very well-loved. Beloved from what I can tell. I had no idea, probably because I'm not a sports fan, that when they do free throws in in the Marriott Center, they go, whoosh, Kevin. I had no idea. This article from the Deseret News referenced this multiple times. Apparently, if they make a three free throw, they say yeah. whoosh, Kevin. Did I, you ask your basketball loving husband about this? Yeah, he had no idea. Uh-huh. I mean, we haven't been to BYU game for okay. years. So But you would think like maybe but if you're also, watching it on TV, I you'd be like, able to hear it. I was like, why is he 
is he a former basketball player? Not as far as I can tell. (laughs) They just love him so much. They just love him at the BYU. That's impressive. Exactly. (laughs) So anyway, but he has done this, this article from the Deseret News, um, talked quite a bit about, you know, what he's done during his time there. The biggest thing, probably his biggest accomplishment, which people will reference forever, is that he got BYU into the Big 12 exactly. for, for sports, which if you are a BYU sports fan, you are over the moon about. <laughs> and this apparently took a lot of work over lots of years and negotiations and finagling. And, he and did that it. starts July 1st and he's, no, he's not going to be the president. He's like, okay, that's what I here thought. you I go. Like, that's so sad. <laughs> Although maybe he'll enjoy it more to that's just true. be a fan. <laughs> exactly. Although, is he still going to get good tickets? I hope so. I would assume as a former president, you probably get get those box seats. Anyway, so he he had to put up with a lot during his tenure. This article reminded me of like several of the obstacles that he has... He's had during his time at BYU and things that he's done. And as I read through it, I was just like, oh gosh, the poor new guy. <laughs> I just think this would be one of the hardest jobs in the church. Yeah. Because you are balancing academics yeah. with religion. Mm-hmm. You are trying to please the student body, the parents, the alumni, the alumni, the faculty, and you're trying to please the first presidency. It, it's got to be like herding cats. That is a lot of people <laughs> yeah. that are wanting different things from you and putting pressure on you. Anyway, this article kind of went through some of the different things. You know, he's dealt with a lot of LGBTQ mm-hmm. issues in his time there and how to balance those and support the students and listen to the students, yeah. but also, you know, do what the brethren want. That's been a challenge. Um, he has also had the challenge of race relations while he's been there and he has set up a committee. He did set up a committee, um, a couple of years ago on race relations to really evaluate BYU and what they could do better. And this committee came up with like 25, you know, bullet points of things BYU could change and actually heading this committee was the new guy that is taking ah, his place. Now remind me, what is the new guy's name? I, his I know name he's a, is Shane Reese. Okay. And, and hasn't he been like an academic vice president or something yes, like he's that? He's been a vice president. Okay. He's taught at BYU for years and years. He got both of his degrees at BYU. Um, so he's homegrown. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a statistics mm. professor. <laughs> well, I did better. not love my statistics class at BYU. It was not from him. I don't think. I don't actually Okay. Don't well, know. I liked my but. statistics better than college algebra. Oh, I didn't take that. Uh, <laughs> uh, See, if you had to take college algebra, you would have thought statistics was like a walk in the park. Well, I had to take to statistics twice. Oh, so. <laughs> oops. <laughs> uh, anyway, so so yeah, and then also while he was there, he also set up a committee um, similar to the one on race relations to really evaluate the sexual assault situation yes. at BYU, and um, this was after. It came out, you know, several years ago that women who had been sexually assaulted were then facing honor code yeah. violations. And he really, you know, tried to put an end to that. He did. Yeah. He also set up a review committee to review the process and make changes. Again, they made, you know, bullet points yeah. of this needs to change. This needs to change. So he has really, really tried to implement some big changes that were long overdue. Exactly. So I think that is, again, part of the reason why he's beloved. Um, yeah. Because he's done some good things. Well, so. I have some thoughts on him. What? Well, first of all, um, 
he, when, when I was at law school at BYU, he was a BYU law school professor at that time. Oh, did you ever have him? I did. I had him for at least one class and I think I had him for two. The class that I remember that I had him for was state and local government. Mm -hmm. And he was seriously like the best professor I had in law school. Really? He was so, he, he just was down to earth. He wasn't, so many of the law school professors are just arrogant. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. They are. <laughs> because uh-huh. you don't, you can't be a law school professor unless you were topping your class at law school. And if you're topping right. your class at law school. You're pretty smart. You're just like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't know if I could deal with the riffraff. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he just was really down to earth and I really enjoyed his class and he was a great professor. So, I mean, there was a part of me when he became the, uh, I think he's maybe started out as a vice president first. Because mm-hmm. I think he was a vice president under Merrill Bateman before he then became the president, or maybe it was under Samuelson. Yeah, I think it was under Samuelson, and I, I was sad to see the law school leave him, or he he the him leave the him law leave the law mm-hmm. school. I should say. But I also knew what his talents were, mm-hmm. and also during that time he was an area authority. So I think it is really curious. His tenure as BYU president ends at the end of April. Mm -hmm. The new guy starts May 1st. We have conference coming up. What will they give him to do? Is he going to get an assignment? I'm I'm sure he will, right? Because he's 66. He's not, I mean, Mm -hmm. he's young still. He's young enough to go do some work. And he's, from everything I know, he's still in very good Mm -hmm. health. And so are they going to give him an assignment or are they going to put him out to pasture? Now, President or Elder Holland said in the article, well, we hope you return to the law school and teach, which mm-hmm. I'm sure the law school would love to have him back. So it will be really interesting to see what he does post yeah. BYU president. That will be interesting. So, so, okay. So the new guy, the Desert News also yes. released an article on the new guy, Shane Reese, as we mentioned, yes. statistics professor. Um, he has a doctorate. He's, but he's been at BYU for a long time. He actually early on in his career, gave up a job. He had um, an offer with the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFL. He did. In fact, what's really funny in the article is at that time, Andy Reid, who coaches Kansas mm-hmm. City, was coaching at Philadelphia and called him up and he picked up the phone like, yeah, this is Andy Reid. And he didn't believe it and he hung up on him. <laughs> anyway, he turned it down to stay at BYU and work, which he is did. like, I mean... Well, the other thing that I really liked about the article too is he started as a freshman in 89. And when he started as a freshman, he wasn't sure he belonged at BYU. So he calls up his home bishop, who is a gentleman by the name of Clyde Worthen. Right. Interesting last name. Brother to Kevin. Right? Brother to Kevin. And Clyde said, I want you to go over to the law school. I want you to hunt down my brother, Kevin. And I want you to have a little chat with my brother, mm-hmm. Kevin. So he does. He has a chat with Kevin Worthen and he stays at BYU. Yes. So it's, the article makes it sound like they have worked together for yes. years and he's been a mentor. So, and he quote quotes from him in the article say, you know, he really hopes to carry on yeah. what Kevin Worth and is done. Yeah. Carry it on. Keep it going. So, I mean, it sounds like he's. He'll, Those would be really big shoes to fill. If I were him, I'd be a little intimidated. Build. This this job, after like reading everything again, I'm like, this would be the most awful job. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad there's someone willing to do it. Exactly. And we <laughs> wish you luck, brother Reese. We wish our uh, soon to be president Reese. Yes. We wish you luck. <laughs> this is the other thing that was interesting because, like you said, a lot of times they are area authorities mm-hmm. before they get put in as uh-huh. the way you present. This guy is not. He is currently a counselor in yeah. a stake presidency. 
Yeah. So, so can you can you even imagine? He, I'm sure he got called up to Salt Lake because that's yeah. how it happens. Yeah. Has a meeting with the first presidency, maybe 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 Russell M himself, mm-hmm. and they're going, hmm, "We have a new assignment for you." He's probably thinking, "Oh, he's probably going." Are you trying to kill me? Really? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, that's a big job, and those are I big know what this job entails. No. Yes. yes. So it'll be really interesting to watch him over the years and see what he does. Okay. All right. Well, speaking of presidents of universities, uh, let's stay on the theme with Elder Holland. Mm-hmm. Elder Holland has apparently been invited to um, give the commencement address at Southern Utah University, uh, their commencement in um, the spring. And they are Southern Utah University is getting a lot of pushback from Elder Holland coming to speak. People say... Is this the one in Cedar City? This is the one in okay. Cedar City. People saying they they're they're referencing his talk that he gave at BYU, and we talked about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was last year he gave the talk. I can't remember the year before. Mm-hmm. We talked about this. He said kind of some things that were controversial about the LGBTQ community. I, I shouldn't say about that. He he just he was he 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 was just kind of reiterating the church's mm-hmm. position. And anyway, as a result. Uh, they're getting some pushback at Southern Utah University. There was a very interesting article in the Deseret News that was written by none other than Tom Christofferson, who is the brother to D. Todd Christofferson. And if you remember, Tom is, uh, he is gay. He was in a relationship. And then he got out of that relationship and got back into the church. And the last thing I heard is he wanted to get back into a relationship. He's in another relationship so now. I don't know where that probably leaves his standing with the church, but he wrote a very interesting piece along with a guy by the name of Jacob Hess defending Elder Holland saying, Hey, you know, we, just because we disagree with what somebody says, we shouldn't, that shouldn't be the litmus test for whether or not they should speak. We shouldn't be held hostage by activists who essentially say, he said, activists have figured out that they can have a disproportionate influence by claiming to be physically endangered and psychologically traumatized by speech that offends them. And how often have we seen that? Oh, this is just, I will feel trauma if they speak because I don't agree with what they speak. And he makes a really compelling argument for, you know, we need to understand both sides of an issue and you can be respectful and have a dialogue and you can have somebody come and speak at your university. And even if you don't agree with them, that's okay. Mm -hmm. So I thought that that was just kind of a really interesting take from a very interesting viewpoint Mm -hmm. from someone who's experienced a a lot of different things. It is so. interesting because it's, it's just especially at this time in yeah. the world, it's just, it's also like such a fine line, mm-hmm. right? Like how do we define, because you cannot have someone come who is, has hate speech. Yes. And we've seen a lot of that. We've seen a lot and of that. And there's been a lot of that, that they have had to really like, no, we will yeah. not have, but. What is hate speech? Right. You. How do you define that and where is – sometimes that line is not as straight and easy. No. Sometimes there's a lot of gray area leading up to that line. Exactly. (laughs) And sometimes it all gets lumped in, right? Well, Mm -hmm. everybody gets put in that category if we disagree with them. Exactly. When there are varying degrees of, you know – yeah, it's interesting. So – they, as of now, they haven't canceled him. They have not canceled him. And and I'm sure one of the reasons mm-hmm. they want him to speak is we know he grew up in the St. George area. Right. 
uh, the southern part of Utah mm -hmm. is very, um, he has a soft spot in his heart. It's also the 120th anniversary of Southern Utah University. Mm -hmm. And so there's, there's just a lot of history connected there. And I'm sure that's one of the reasons why they mm -hmm. want him to speak and yeah. So we'll see what happens. Right. Um, Tom Christofferson makes the argument to say, Southern Utah University, don't cancel him. Let right. him come. Which it makes sense. I mean, this has been an issue for years. Yeah. I mean, half of the people at different college commencements are, you know, people are. Yeah. <laughs> so this is not new. Um, there's I mean, always going to be someone that is not interested in hearing. Really? The only mm -hmm. person we could probably all agree on is Dolly Parton. Can yeah. we have Dolly Parton speak at everybody's college commencement? I think you're right. I think she <laughs> might be the only one. That no, one would... <laughs> no one would boycott or pick it. <laughs> yeah. Although there might still be some Dolly haters. Yeah. I think even, I don't even think she's safe. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, you know, most everybody I know loves the Dolly. So I don't know. Oh, that's funny. All okay. right. Moving on. What are we on now? Oh, the temple. We, we referenced this earlier when we were talking about temples predictions um, and the hymn book delay. Once again, the church has released a statement saying that there is another delay for mm -hmm. the Salt Lake Temple. It's yes. been pushed. I think originally it was 2024, then it was delayed to 2025. Now the project is estimated to be done in 2026. Yes. Um, so they're making progress, but it's just a lot slower than they thought it would be. And if you watch the video, I think it was a couple months yeah. ago when we podcasted where the church released the video on what they are doing to uh, make it earthquake proof and all of the structural engineering. If you watch that video, you will not be shocked. You will be no. like, oh, no wonder this is going to take a little longer than they thought. <laughs> but the other thing too is every time they dig up something, mm -hmm. they're like, oh, we ought to fix that over there. Right. Well, as long as we got the equipment out, maybe we could adjust that over there. Right. So they do keep adding things and adding projects. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, as long I mean, as you've got it closed and torn up. If you're in there, you might as well do it all. We don't want to have to do this again exactly. in 10 years. Do a complete overhaul. <laughs> For 20 years. But um, yeah, it will be. Now we should start taking predictions on how long will the Salt Lake open house, temple open house go on. I think oh. they have to have a minimum of three to four months of an mm -hmm. open house, if not longer, to accommodate everyone who's going to want, because everyone in the state of Utah is going to want to go. Mm -hmm. Everyone in Idaho is going to want to go. Yeah. Everyone in Arizona is going to want to go. I mean, it's right in the middle of the Mormon belt. Right. Well, so. when we were in St. George last weekend, the sister missionary at the Brigham Young house uh -huh. <laughs> was talking about the St. George temple, which is still closed for yes. renovations. That one is also yeah. been slightly delayed. Um, but she was saying that they just got word that their temple open house is going to be extended. Like it's going to be really, yeah. they're going to do it for a long time. I I think those pioneer temples I do. that they're redoing, they're really going to make those open houses. Maybe it's going to be like a six month open house. Wouldn't that be crazy? That would be crazy. But it would make sense. Can you because imagine staffing a six month? I can't house? imagine staffing. You'd, you'd have to like call people on missions. You'd yeah. have to call yeah. senior couples on mm -hmm. missions for six months to staff an open house. Cause mm -hmm. I know for me, I mean, it is, it's a five hour drive to Salt Lake. I'm going to go down to Salt Lake oh, and I'm going to the open house. I would definitely want to take my kids yeah. to that. It's just such an iconic temple. And yeah. to be that close to it, I would want my kids exactly. to see it. Um, I, I've only been in it once in my whole life. Me too. <laughs> and a that wedding. Was a, I was only in the baptistry. I haven't even been above <laughs> ground. Yes. <laughs> so. 
All right. Oh, you have the next one. Oh, I've got the next one. Okay. Oh, this is another lost journal. We've been getting a lot of journals lately that the church is slapping up online for the world to see, which we love. I think it's great. It's great history. So this journal is from a man that died actually in the William Martin handcart company. His name was Joseph Jarvis Crossley. Um, He came over from from England, um, uh, crossed the Atlantic, and when he was in that part of his life, he kept a journal. And then he joined the William Martin Handcart Company and did not, unfortunately, write in the journal during that. That would have been awesome. I know. So he wrote all about his river crossing, or not his river crossing, his ocean ocean crossing. Um, Anyway, this journal, uh, kind of the stories of this journal were verbally passed down from his ancestors, but they thought that this journal was lost. And then recently... Somebody found it in a box in their basement. In Texas. One of the relatives and all of the family members just for the past 15 years thought this journal was gone forever and that all they had were like kind of the verbal stories out of this journal. Well, he found it and um, they turned it over to the church because they recognized that, you know, it's pretty beat up and they thought, well, the church could take better care of this than we can. Clearly. (laughs) Captain Obvious. um, So the church has, you know put it online for all to see. They've looked at it. And anyway, it's really, really cool. Well, it was written in a form of shorthand. And so the first thing mm-hmm. that they had to do is they had to get somebody yeah. who understood that form of shorthand to be able to translate it, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, really cool. And it makes me just think, oh my gosh, what other what other journals and are floating around family out history there. things are out there that we just haven't discovered yet. Exactly. Which brings me to my next story in the section that we're going to call heartbreaking news because our next section is going to be pop culture news. <laughs> so this is the last of the heart heartbreaking news stories, which is New BYU study shows one way adolescents can develop healthy identity and why it matters. So BYU did this study and they said what they found out in this study was that teenagers who had some sort of connection to their family history had much, uh, much better um, identity. And so what they found is that... um, They found that family history knowledge is linked to healthy adolescent identity and development. The more youth knew about their parents and grandparents, the better. And I thought that that was so interesting that they conducted this specific study about that. And they said um, adolescents who develop a healthy sense of identity are less likely to struggle later in life with family and individual conflicts. They can function better independently and interdependently all at the same time. And so I just thought, wow, that is so fascinating. And I was thinking about this um, tonight when I was driving over Mm -hmm. to your house because we have journals from our grandparents. Mm -hmm. And I love going back and reading those journals from our grandparents. I know my kids do too. I have not done a very good job journal keeping. And I'm like, I need to do a better job because I was thinking to myself, what about my grandchildren? My grandchildren someday, for whatever reason, may be interested in my life. I'm not really sure why. But, you know, I guess I got Facebook for them. I know. (laughs) Well, you know what I do? Because I'm not a good journal writer either. I was in middle school, unfortunately. Yeah, that's not the time you want to be a good journal writer. (laughs) But I have used my Instagram. I have a I have my regular Instagram and then I have a uh-huh. super secret Instagram that only family members can see Yes, that I will post everything like kids, choir concerts, kids, like 
Yeah. When the funny things that they say yeah. and like the messes, they make yes. the cute things. And then I print them, get them printed into chat books. And I just count that as kind of my journal keeping for my kids because they will go back and read oh, those. they love looking at those. Oh, they'll pull out those old chat books uh-huh. of like the stories of when they were little. Uh-huh. Um, well, it used to be blog. Yes. Before chat books was a thing, the blog, I got printed into a book and they'll read those stories of when they were little and the cute things they said along with the pictures just over and over and over again. And so I'm like, well, that kind of counts. I think that totally counts. I really think that totally counts because again, you know, whether it's your kids or whether Mm -hmm. it's their kids to someday be able to go back and they've got a picture and words and text Mm -hmm. to go this is who I am. This is the family that I come from. And then they remember, they're like, oh my gosh, I remember that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So it's all the prophetic things that they have said, this is why you need to do family Mm -hmm. history were proven out in this study that BYU did. That is really interesting. So, all right. Now that we are done with hard hitting or hard breaking news, we are going to move on to Pop culture, because we've got some fun pop culture stuff tonight. (laughs) So this first story, this is LDS adjacent. We're assuming this girl is LDS. Oh, she is. I I stalked her. You looked it up. I stalked her on Instagram. (laughs) She's totally LDS. Okay. So Utah State University Aggies uh, got, you know, they lost their first round of the NCAA tournament this week. They lost to Missouri. And one of the cheerleaders for Utah State, her name is Ashlyn Wimpy. Um, they, the, they panned to her mm-hmm. and she had tears in her eyes and her lower lip was just quivering. It was, quivering. It was so cute. And everybody was like, oh my gosh, she's so sad for her team. And they panned to her again. Like they really yeah. liked her. They yeah. went back to her again with these tears in her eyes and the crying. And by the time she gets to the locker room, it's like gone viral. Yeah. Her mom is like, oh my gosh, I saw you on TV. And then like her it's social media accounts blew up and yeah. she got all these friend requests. Just, you know, for crying on TV. Yeah. It doesn't take much these days. No. <laughs> well, but it was very sweet. But then when they interviewed her, she yeah. said, look, it wasn't all about the game. Yeah. This was her last year as a cheerleader. She's yes. a junior and she's going to nursing school. So yeah. probably most of it was like, this is my last time to cheer, which I totally get. I would be crying too. Exactly. <laughs> anyway. Exactly. Well, and I think I read somewhere too that her boyfriend is a basketball player too, oh, and this might be his last game. Okay. So lots of, lots, lots of emotion going on. And uh, we will link the article because in the article you can see the video and she's just adorable. It was really sweet. <laughs> she was very like heartbroken. It was. It was very cute. <laughs> so all right. So our next pop culture story. Um, this was huge when I was a kid. And I think mm-hmm. you probably saw maybe a little bit of it. I don't know if you saw as much uh, as I did. We watched it in school. Like all the time. The movie Where the Red Fern Grows. So there was a book that came out in the 70s or late 60s, early 70s, Where the Red Fern Grows. They turned it into a movie. I can't even tell you the number of times in elementary school that I was forced to watch this movie. We both agree on this. Zero stars, thumbs down. (laughs) All I remember is a dog dies and it's really sad. And we didn't have pets. And so like for us, we're like, what's the big deal? The dog died. I I now have a dog. I might feel a little differently these days. But yeah, I just, I remember every time we would watch it in school, getting the great ugh. Okay. So I didn't realize till this article, was this like an LDS adjacent production? Um, Yes and no. So the Mm -hmm. guy who wrote the story where the red fern grows 
uh, wrote it when he was in Idaho Falls. I, I don't know if he was a member or not mm-hmm. because he worked for the Idaho Engineering Laboratory that's over there as an engineer. And so I don't I don't know if he was ever a member. Okay. But there was a movie producer who, after the book came out, bought the rights to the story. And the, the movie producer who bought the rights to the story was LDS. And so um, he set about having to cast this movie and had to, having to cast the um, the lead role of Billy Coleman. So he goes over to Cokeville, Wyoming, of all places. And um, he goes over there and he is told, and I guess he has uh, this, this particular gentleman who goes over there to cast it. Let's see if I can find his name. He is an uncle to the ultimate star of the movie. Um, he goes over there to cast it. He said he heard that there's this great kid over there. And the kid was actually a friend of this boy named Stuart Peterson, who grew up in Cokeville. And so um, the kid, uh, Stuart, is at his grandparents' house when his uncle is there uh, uh, script reading with this potential boy. And so the boy leaves. And then the uncle turns to Stuart. And he's like, hey, Stuart, why don't you just read for me? And Stuart's like, eh, not my jam, but Okay. So Stuart reads for the part, boom, he gets the part. He had no acting aspirations. The next thing he knows, he's at BYU Film Studio filming this. I don't think it was a BYU production, but I think Mm -hmm. maybe they used some of the BYU facilities. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so he goes on to actually uh, star in five or seven other movies he does Seven Alone, which I kind of remember, Against a Crooked Sky, The Pony Express Rider. He also played Joseph Smith in a church production in 1976, a little short film. Hmm. So he does this from the time he's about 13 to 18. And then by then he's like, yeah, peace out. I'm getting out of the movie business. He goes on a mission. He comes back from his mission. He um, uh, goes to Rick's college, meets his wife there. He today, and this is a relatively new article, um, was released March 19th, just kind of an update on his life. Um, he lives in Cokeville, Wyoming. He runs an outfitter company that is called Crooked Sky Outfitters after mm-hmm. one of his movies that he did. And um, he says, like, I have no regrets being a child actor. Um, it was a way for me to share the gospel. It wasn't something I wanted to do long term. And um, and he still gets recognized today. And you look he at the does? oh, you look at the picture of him, and yeah, he looks like just a grown up version of the boy hmm. in Where the Red Fern Grows. Well, so active member of the church. Very sweet article. He got out while the getting was good. He got out. He got out while the getting was good before sex, drugs, and rock and roll hit. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. What do we have now? Oh, this is a fun one. We have an article on Mormon myths. Oh, we love these. We haven't, we we haven't had one of these for a long time. No, it's been a couple of years Um, since we've talked about the Salt Lake Tribune, uh, released an article this week and it was about like some of the wild rumors. These were new ones that we hadn't heard before. A lot of them. Um, they interviewed a church historian, Keith Erickson, director of historical research and outre- outreach for the church. Um, they quoted him quite a bit in this article, debunking some of these myths. Okay. So a couple of the myths. I love a good myth. Elvis. Fake promoting rumor. Have we heard an Elvis myth before? I think we've heard an Elvis myth I think myth we've heard before. this one before. There are two Elvis myths. Yes. That he, he confirmed one, denied the other. Okay. Um, First one is that a a Book of Mormon donated to the church continued uh, contained handwritten comments by Presley. 
um, in the Book of Mormon that it was Elvis's Book yes. of Mormon and that he had wrote some stuff. That was debunked. Not true. Prob- not true. Probably not likely. The other one that they, they did confirm was true, that Elvis bore his testimony um, of Jesus to a Latter-day Saint seminary class. <laughs> Can you imagine Ellis just showing up in your seminary class? This one, they said, actually really happened. There are firsthand accounts. So he, I don't know how this, how did this happen? It was in Pasadena, California. He was somehow connected to somebody there that went to the seminary class and was invited to speak to the class. He came to the class. He said, I love Jesus. I worship and follow his teachings. Um, and for you to do this at a young age is so important. Anyway, bears this testimony in the seminary class. They joke about how attendance for the rest of the year was through the roof because everybody was hoping Elvis would come back again. Uh, so that really happened. Uh, but the Book of Mormon with his handwriting is likely not his. Um, let's see. The, the church historian guy told some wild missionary stories. They talked about how a lot of these myths – go around with missionaries because missionaries are excellent storytellers and, and missionaries what else are you going to do, but super, embellish stories, super geek out on LDS myths. Like this is their jam. Yeah. So. Faith promoting rumors. <laughs> so a couple of these I had never heard before. Apparently there was one uh, mission story going around that a missionary had broken a bone and had been taken to like a Presbyterian minister who, who healed him. Who healed him. And then when the mission president found out, the mission president was like, get in here. And the mission president blessed him and like a devil went out of him and like the bone broke, the bone broke again. again. <laughs> I never heard that one. That was never, good. Yeah. I, um, I, I have no words. Uh, yes. Oh, there's a temple elevator one. This one I had never heard. Apparently there's- I've heard this one. You've heard this one. Yes. I've not heard this one. Apparently there's a myth like- long spread through the church that when the Salt Lake Temple was first built, elevators were not, not invented yet, but Brigham Young left room, like left, left these big holes in the temple columns and everybody was like, side. what are those for? And then when elevators were invented, they had a place to put them, but apparently that's not true. Elevators actually were invented before the Salt Lake Temple was built. And so. apparently they had electricity and I think, didn't they even say there were elevators in the temple when it was built? Yes. Yeah. Like, they had elevators. By yes. Then. So um, let's see. Just lots of like funny missionary of the missionary tall tales. And then this one I thought was hilarious. There is an elder cook. Yes. Elder cook. Elder Jean cook. R. Cook. Who's who, an emer- uh, emeritus yes. general he's authority. He's no longer now. a general authority. But apparently one time he ended up on an airplane next to Mick Jagger for a two and a half hour airplane ride. Now, that part we know is true. <laughs> that part is that true. That part has been confirmed. We now, don't know about the rest. What happened during that two and a half hour airplane ride is the source of much speculation and debate. According to some reports, Mick Jagger told him that his music was calculated to drive kids to sex. And he said, it makes me a lot of money. They can choose what they want to do, but... This is what our music is for. And apparently Elder Cook like rebuked him and told him to knock, yes. knock it off. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. It's so I funny though. <laughs> I love a good LDS myth. I do too. Anyway, okay. it was a fun article. Go check it out if you're into some of our wild, okay. wild and quirky myths. All right. I am just going to touch on this briefly. Did you know that there are Swedish Osmonds? No. Uh, apparently there was this family, Louis 
uh, Harry was just 17 years old when he and his two brothers skyrocketed to international fame when they won the Eurovision Song Contest in 1984. So they became as big over there in Sweden and in Europe as like the Osmonds over here. They would tour and everything. I'd never even heard of them before. The reason this is relevant today is apparently mm-hmm. the church is doing an Easter production that is uh, slated to, well, it's on the church's website. You mm-hmm. can, uh, as of today, you can go on their YouTube and watch it. But it, the general audience for this was Europe and he was hosting this. And so that's why it got brought up that he is the Swedish Osmond. Ooh. And the production is called... Uh, the Redeemer, an Easter celebration. And like I said, uh, supposedly it can be viewed online at the church uh, broadcast webpage or mm-hmm. YouTube channel beginning today. Okay, good to know. So, all right, next up, we have a member of the church on American Idol. She's 16 years old. Her name is Paige Ann. Oh, and I want to point out she's from Idaho Falls. She's oh, from yes, Idaho, people. She's from Idaho. So she made it through the initial... She's, she's moving on. Yes. We don't know how far she'll get. She, she made it to on. the Hollywood round. So she is 16, um, American Idol, or David Archuleta, former yes. American Idol. Is, Season seven winner. Is kind of her mentor. She loves him. She's grown up listening to him. And he has actually given her advice. Like somehow they got connected and he's been kind of like giving her advice along the way. So that's fun. All right. We'll, we'll she have to watch well. and see what she does. Mm-hmm. Okay. Our last pop culture story is entitled Utah, an influencer's modest fashion haven, and talks about Utah being the place where modest fashion originates. Mm -hmm. It's out of the Deseret News, and it's by our favorite reporter, none other than Hannah (gasps) Syria. Oh, it's our cookbook friend. We love you, Hannah. (laughs) Please come on the podcast with us. We think you would be so fun. Okay, I didn't read this one yet. What did Hannah have to say about Utah Modest? So this is what Hannah had to say about Utah Modest. She said... Um, that, um, first of all, she quotes this, um, song, uh, from Provo, Utah girls, where it talks about big hair, leggings, layered shirts on top. And you remember how, when we were all wearing spaghetti strap, uh, tank tops over short sleeve shirts in the nineties with skirts and leggings underneath. And our hair was all teased big and everything, because even though we didn't grow up in Utah, Idaho is just adjacent enough Mm -hmm. to Utah that it, it all just bleeds over. So she talks about how um, Utah, um, just because of the the dress standards and most people uh, in the church being members of the church down there, that it really has bred this whole um, fashion industry for modest fashion. And that examples of these clothing styles include matching sweatsuits or knee-length flowing floral dresses with bright Mm -hmm. colors. And, of course, the influencer hat. You know, where you you see anybody on Instagram, yes. they've got their influencer, their influencer hat, hat and just all of these different brands that have come up. And she she lists. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There's there's like about twelve different uh, brands uh, that have started that have their own clothing line of modest fashion that are sold in some form or another. Of course, the pioneer of all of this was Downy Basics. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when Downy? Yes. Basics came out and they had the undershirts, the camis, the camis that you could wear under you your short wear, shirts yes. or under your sundresses uh-huh. and that it just kind of exploded um, after that. And then she said, you know, not a lot of other retailers have caught on to this modest fashion because there's really not much of a market for it outside of kind of the Mormon belt of Idaho, Utah, Arizona. 
Except there are some other religions that like to dress modestly right. and they appreciate those. Well, and some of those brands you listed on there are are pretty pretty popular. Yeah. Like, like I've I've seen them well, I don't know about Eastern United so States, but I, seen, some of them are popular not just with LDS. Like, yes, like Called to Serve. The Ivy City Co., I, yeah. their dresses, um, Albion Fit. Hope Avenue, that's a boutique. That's another one. Uh, um, like I, feel, I feel like some of these more than others have spread outside yes. of Utah. Yes. Some are very, very Utah, yes. and some are like, no, they're pretty popular with not just members of the church. Yes. I do have to say, Hannah mm-hmm. did give a shout out. Do you remember? I don't think it was last year. I think it was the year before that Target had a whole line of what we called prairie dresses. Yes. They were <laughs> awful. <laughs> oh, they were awful. But you know what? I bought a couple of them because I'm like, if I ever have to go on track, I mean, I bought them <laughs> deeply discounted at clearance. I did not pay full price for them. Mm-hmm. But my thinking was, if I ever have to go on track, I'm not going to have to make a dress. I got one right here that I got at Target. <laughs> anyway, and so she just talks about all of that. And then she talks about some influencers. There was one influencer that she talked about, this Noelle Beebe. And mm-hmm. I actually follow her on TikTok. So I was familiar with her. And... um Fashion is important to her. She's an active member of the church and she's always doing OOTDs, which stand for outfit of mm-hmm. the day. I've never heard of her. And she likes to, mm-hmm. she likes to shop at H&M and Old Navy, but she will buy investment pieces from like Madewell or Anthropology. And she's always showing how she's styling her clothing that covers her garments. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all about, Hey, you can still look fashionable and still wear your garments. And then there's another one that I need to, that, that Hannah cites in her article, Akenna McClellan. Now, I haven't heard of any of these. Nicole only has 17,000 mm-hmm. followers on TikTok. This Kenna McClellan, who built her platform on lifestyle content and modest fashion, uh, she has 165,000 followers. Mm-hmm. So I thought, ooh, I got to go find her on TikTok and see what she's about. But, I mean, it's just kind of an, a, an interesting article because it's very true. I mean, mm-hmm. you you – you shop in stores in Utah if you are not from Utah or Idaho or Arizona mm-hmm. and you look at the fashion there and you're like, wow, this looks really different from anywhere else in the country because mm-hmm. the demand is there for that. That's so. true. Hmm. Anyway. All right. So we have finished our pop culture. I have one story under our marvelous members category, and then we have to move on to Mormons behaving badly. Which is unfortunate this month because there's a whole lot and there's only one Marvelous Members. <laughs> yes. The the misbehaving members for Mormons behaving badly, like in the last 30 days, seriously, people, I don't know, I don't know if it's cabin fever or whatever, but the 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 Mormons behaving badly, they're they're out of control. They're running amok. They're really running amok. But we've noticed they go in spurts. They do. After doing this for several years. They do. We have downtime. So I have uptime. I'm gonna attribute it to cabin fever due to our long and never ending winter. Yes. But before we get to our Mormons behaving badly, let's talk about this marvelous member. So there is an article, it was on KSL.com. As you know, you just recently traveled through Utah mm-hmm. and I asked you about the snow and you said they have mountains full of snow. Mm-hmm. The snow is everywhere There's down there. There's snow everywhere. 
So they have been hammered this year. They have more snow than they've ever had. I don't know if in recorded history, but it's been years and years and years. The last time they had this much snow was 1983 and they had major floods in the spring in 1983. So after they had those floods in 1983, they did a couple of things. Salt Lake City did. They um, improved a bunch of their infrastructure. They're like, okay, we've learned from this flood. You know, this can happen. How can we prevent this in the future? And so while, you know, they've got all this snow, they don't know what spring's going to do right now. They are, and they are working towards, okay, there's a high probability of flooding. So what are we going to do? So let's, before we get to the, get to the now, let's go back to 1983. In 1983, uh, JL Kirby was 15 years old. Her youth group volunteered to go down to Salt Lake City and fill up sandbags for the flooding. And while she was down there, she met this gentleman by the name of Michael Kirby. Now, her last name wasn't Kirby at the time she met him. I don't know what it was at the time she met him. So you can imagine what happened. They worked side by side. They worked side by side for a week and it just blossomed from there. And they eventually ended up married, marrying. Well, Salt Lake City did a call for volunteers to come down to this same location that they had been at 40 years ago, filling sandbags and fill sandbags. And so they were like, this is our destiny. We need to go to where it all started. (laughs) So they went down there to where it all started and they said, yeah, we're a little more sore. It took us a little longer, (laughs) but it was just this really sweet story about how they met doing service and now they were there doing service and just some of the... um, things that Salt Lake County and Salt Lake City are doing Mm -hmm. in anticipation of what will probably be flooding this spring. You know, again, depending on if our winter ever ends. I know. My fear is the winter is going to end and we're going to go from 30 degree temperature to 80 degree temperature and then we're all going to be in trouble. It's too bad they just can't find a way to pipe it all into the Great Salt Lake. Seriously. That could solve a lot of issues. It could really solve a lot of issues. (laughs) Okay. All right. Now we will move on to the Mormons behaving badly. I have three stories. I could have had a lot more. But before I do those three stories, I need to do a couple of updates. First of all, in January, we talked about this Microsoft executive, Jared Brightigan, who lived in Florida, who was murdered. And in January, they had arrested a gentleman that they thought was connected to his murder. Uh, He did admit that he was connected to the murder, but they didn't think he acted alone. And so they have now made a second arrest, which is the husband of Jared's ex-wife. And his name is Mario Fernandez Saldana. Which is a relief. Everybody was waiting for this because everybody knew there were ties there. So... His ex-wife, uh, Jared's ex-wife, is a woman by the name of Shelly Gardner. Her parents started stamping up. Uh, she lives in the Seattle area now. The family released a statement saying that Shelly and Mario had been separated for quite some time. Um, I guess stamping up was getting a lot of negative comments on their social media about all of this. And they're like, please, please, we're, we're not a part of this. Be, be kind, be nice. Right. Don't be Although mean. she, there's potential for her to be in big trouble too. Uh, yeah. Depending right? on what she knew or didn't know. And so we don't know what she knew or didn't know. That will be interesting to see if that unfolds. I suspect those are some questions they are currently asking mm-hmm. Marielle. Yeah. What did she know and when did she know it? So. All right, next update before I get to my stories. Lori Vallow, we are set to go to trial April 3rd. 
That is a week from tomorrow. The Lori and Vallow trial we starts. We have not got our jury summons, so I guess they don't need us. No, they don't because <laughs> they are having anybody who got a jury summons for this week, this this week starting tomorrow, mm-hmm. the 27th of March. Oh, you're in trouble because they are bringing jurors in this week and they are having jurors fill out questions. So then they can bring, they can sort them all through Mm -hmm. and start the trial. I mean, they won't start the trial, but start the more extensive jury questioning a week from tomorrow. So yes, we have skated on that one. We are not jurors in the Lori Vallow case. Although I haven't picked up my mail in a week because I was on vacation. So, you know, we'll see what comes in the mail tomorrow. I think you're (laughs) safe because I have a friend of mine. In fact, I kind of told her she was safe because she was like, this was before I knew that they were questioning jurors this week. Right. She told me two or three weeks ago, oh, I got a summons for the March 27th. And I was like, oh, you're perfect. The trial doesn't Ooh. start for a week after that. And then I heard that they were questioning jurors this week or having them fill out questionnaires. I was right. like, oh, she's probably in trouble. <laughs> so I need to text her and go, what's going on? Anyway, so yeah, I think you're, I think you're safe. So the other big news with Lori Vallow is... Uh, the judge ruled on the death penalty and the judge took mm-hmm. the death penalty off the table. So the best that she will get is life in prison. Death penalty is no longer an That's option very for interesting. her. And finally, the judge has released uh, his, his requirements for if you want to have a seat in the courtroom. Mm-hmm. This is like super fascinating. I assumed he would have some section for media. Oh no, it's a free for all. So you have to get online at midnight the day before you want to go. And you got to like be typing everything in and hoping that you get one of the seats. So I think it is just going to be a madhouse at midnight, probably shutting down the computer system the whole time, because I think all the media is going to want to get seats because mm-hmm. there's no guaranteed seats for the media. So yeah. I, I, this, this circus, the circus will continue to circus. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy. I still am going to see if I can figure out a way to go down and watch it. We'll, we'll have to, we'll have to see this new process is kind of intimidating because if I want to watch it, me and the other friend that we're going to watch it with, we both have to be able to get in. I can't say, Oh, I want two seats. No, you only get one seat, mm-hmm. one seat per entry on the computer. Well, you'll have to keep us posted. I will keep you posted. Okay. <laughs> now to our Mormons behaving badly. First story, BYU police warns of a man entering women's dorms and stealing clothing. Apparently, last Friday at 9.13 a.m., there was a man who entered or remained unlawfully in a female resident hall of Helaman Halls. Uh, The police say the man may have stolen several articles of women's clothing. They did not elaborate on what the clothing (laughs) was, but I'm... We can guess. We can guess. So he is supposedly Latino or Native American, 40 years old, 5'10 build, medium to stocky, unshaven, wearing a light brown baseball hat, Levi's, and dark brown hoodie. So police are saying, be on the lookout for him, girls, and travel in pairs. Yikes. All right. The next one is a polygamist leader that I did not realize was arrested out of Colorado city. Mm-hmm. He was arrested because he has a number of wives who are minors and he was transporting them across state lines. Gross. And so his name is Samuel Rapoli Bateman. And so he is sitting in jail. So is he in the Warren Jeffs group adjacent? He, I I'm assuming somewhat adjacent. Mm-hmm. He is a self-proclaimed prophet of the fundamentalist LDS mm-hmm. church. Uh, he only has 50 followers, but he has 20 wives Nine of whom are minors between 12 ew. and 16. Ew, 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 ew. Exactly. So uh, what does he do while he's in jail? 
Well, of course, he has sexually explicit phone calls with his minor wives. Ooh, which are all recorded. <laughs> which are all recorded. People. People, people, people. That's what happens when you live off the grid and you don't understand how it works. <laughs> First of all, you should understand how it works, that it's a recorded line. Second, they tell you it's a recorded line. That's true, they do. This is not a mystery that the line is recorded. Why? Why would you ever go on a recorded line and engage in illegal contacts? I don't get it. This anyway, is actually so gross. It's so gross. Oh. So he has not quite lost all of his phone privileges. Oh, and some of the older wives helped facilitate with mm. the minor wives having these conversations with him. Uh, he also threw down some witness intimidation on those phone calls because, again, you know, as 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 long as you're breaking the law, go full bore. Um, so now he is limited. He's permitted to call his four sons because apparently he likes girls, not boys. So he's permitted to call his four sons. He's allowed to make video calls to six women, but only one at a time during designated days and times. And he's allowed to send letters, but the letters he sends all have to be reviewed by jail mm-hmm. staff before they go out. Um, and he cannot communicate with any of the minors. Okay. So did they take those minors out and like put them into like, Foster yes, care. that I is mean, exactly they what kids. they did yeah. is the um, they went into the custody of the Arizona Department of Child Services mm-hmm. on September 14th. That's when he was arrested. Um, so, yeah, they are, I, you know, and of course, we don't know what process they're in yeah. in terms of foster care. But mm-hmm. the, the minors were at least separated from the group and hopefully get whatever, you know, mental health help and counseling and stuff that they need so that they understand this is not appropriate behavior. Yeah. So, all right. My last Mormon behaving badly. This is a doozy, people. There is a dentist in Colorado. His name is James Tolliver Craig. Now, I have this on good authority because... Mm. One of my friends in my ward, her sister lives in the same stake as him. Up until the time of his arrest, he was apparently the elders quorum president. So what did Mr. Craig get arrested for? First of all, Mr. Craig is a dentist. Um, Mr. Craig thought that our brother Craig in this case, poisoning his wife with cyanide Mm. would be a good idea. No. Yes. Well, he had a little gambling problem. He had a little mistress, and so he needed to get rid of wife number one so that he could continue to engage in the affair with the orthodontist from Austin, Texas that he met. Oh, did they have kids? Six. Oh. And they range in age from 20 to, I think, seven or eight. So young kids. So he's not a very smart criminal. Again, we're not dealing with smart criminals tonight, people. Polygamist. Does his business on recorded mm-hmm. phone calls. This guy on his personal computer is um, Googling, is arsenic detectable in an autopsy? Mm. What poisons can you poison somebody with that aren't detectable in an autopsy? Oh then he goes about ordering these poisonous items and having them delivered to his house and to his dental office. In fact, he has this potassium cyanide delivered to his dental office. He tells his office manager, hey, I got a package coming when it comes. Don't open it. Well, 
another individual in the office didn't get that message. She opens the package. She sees that it's potassium cyanide and she's like, uh, what am I supposed to do with this? So she seals it back up and she calls somebody who calls somebody who is his business partner. And his business partner was on his way to the hospital because he'd already poisoned his wife with a protein, allegedly, Mm. I should say allegedly, poisoned his wife with a protein shake at this point in time. And she's in the hospital. So the business partner is going down there to console him, finds out this information that she might be poisoned. The business partner goes down there and tells the nurse and says, just so you know, she might be poisoned. And so oh my gosh. Um, the nurse is a mandatory reporter, calls in the cops. Brother Craig realizes his business partner has knocked him off and says, what did you, what did you say to the hospital people? <laughs> she didn't survive? She didn't survive. <gasps> oh, that's yeah. awful. So it's very sad. So he ended up arrested and is charged with murder. And... Um, Anyway, so he, um, he did admit that the potassium cyanide that he ordered that, but he Mm -hmm. said, oh, Angela asked me to order it, um, because she had been suicidal. Now this wasn't the first time he'd Mm -hmm. attempted to poison her. He poisoned her on another occasion, uh, allegedly because he wanted to go commit suicide and he didn't want her to find him in the process of committing suicide. Oh my goodness. So... Yeah. Oh, that is awful. That's a doozy. I feel this is a dateline in the making. Mm, Probably. Yeah. We got to get these Mormons (laughs) off of dateline. We're like a recurring. Seriously. (laughs) If Keith Morrison hasn't arrived in Colorado by now. Well, and then the kids, like uh, his first court appearance was last week and several of the kids, presumably the older ones showed up at his court appearance. And, and I can't even imagine as, as a kid, I mean, I'm sure, first of all, they're grieving their mother. Right. Well, this is so similar to the Lori Ballow thing. Uh, exactly. Well, what happened with yeah. Chad Daybell and his yeah. wife. Very true. Yeah. Oh, that's awful. So, okay. yeah. All right. Well, should we move on to happier things like our favorite things? <laughs> that's kind of a dark note <laughs> to end on. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Sorry. But yeah, we'll do favorite things. Maybe we can share <laughs> We could, we could bring it back in. Maybe we can redeem ourselves. <laughs> okay. My favorite thing this month is a roll recipe. I'm going to share this because Easter oh, is coming up. Okay. I know you talked about rolls on our last. I did. In fact, I had one of our, one of our viewer, one of our listeners asked me for my roll yes. recipe. Okay. And I sent it to them. And your rolls are amazing. But I have to say, I've found a new contender for the best oh. roll ever recipe. And it's from, we. I've talked about her on here before. She's one of my favorite people okay. to follow on Instagram is Betsy's Best Bets. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I follow she Betsy. She has a roll recipe she is constantly sharing. And finally, a few weeks ago, I was like, you know what? I'm going to try it. She shares this all the okay. time. It's really, really similar to your recipe. Okay. But it has potato flakes in it. Oh. They are so good. Oh. So good. <laughs> So oh. I will put on my ins- on our Instagram. Okay, I'll link to Betsy's Instagram page, and you can find it there. She has a recipe okay. bubble on her Instagram page where she has all of her okay. recipes. So did your son like them? You know, he is yes. the connoisseur of rolls. Yes, my kids loved them. They're uh, really good. Now, did you make them as regular rolls or knots? Because she does them as knots. I did them as knots. I've never done them as and knots. they were good. And my what plan, did you think about that? They it was good. They were easy to do. You just twist them up. Okay, easier than like 
rolling, like a crescent roll, easier than that. Okay. Um, and I am going to try them conference weekend as a cinnamon roll. Okay. So my recipe, you mix everything together in your mm-hmm. uh, KitchenAid, then you let it sit for two hours and then you roll them out as rolls and then you let mm-hmm. it sit for another hour and a half. Is it similar to that or is it kind of a one-step process? No, How it, does this it's work? similar. You let them rise for like an hour okay. in the bowl and then you knot them up in the knots, roll them out, cut them, knot them up in the knots, and then you let them sit for just another little bit till they rise a little more. So it's really similar to your recipe. Okay. The only difference is- The potato flakes. Potato flakes, and it also has a little bit of shortening. It's like half, I think it has part butter and part shortening. Okay. Anyway, they're very good. I will give them a try, and I will tell you if I like them as well or better or less than mine. Okay. What is your favorite thing this month? So my favorite thing, and maybe this is why I picked the um, modesty story about fashion, because Mm -hmm. my favorite thing is a clothing store this month. So I, and y'all are going to laugh when I tell you this, but, but bear with me here. Okay. Mm -hmm. H&M. I am loving H&M. I realize I am a 55-year-old woman and I am probably not their target demographic. However, here's why I'm loving H&M. Okay, first of all, the 90s are back for fashion, which I love. And I know you love as well. We, mm-hmm. we were both jamming mm-hmm. in the 90s with good fashion. Yes. One of the things about 90s fashion is all sorts of like suit jackets and mm-hmm. tailored clothing and... I, it's been years since I have purchased tailored clothing because for a long time I didn't have an attorney job where I really had to appear in court that frequently. And so I got rid of all of my suits. Well, technically I outgrew all of my suits and then I just couldn't find suits that fit. And so I just would wear dresses to court. Well, I have been on a health kick for the last 18 months. And so I have really had to like redo my closet because not a lot fit anymore. And I'm spending more time in court and I needed more suits. And they have the best business wear right now. Like really cute jackets, really cute pants, shirts, so reasonably priced. Mm -hmm. I have like seriously for probably, probably less than $300, I have enough separates now that like if I'm in court for a two week trial, if I, if I, if I need 14 days worth of court clothes, I got 14 days worth of court clothes that I can mix and match and everything. So I, you know, I'm not doing their crop shirts. I'm not doing their stuff that makes me look like I'm 14 because ain't nobody wants to see that, but their business stuff is really, really good. They do have really and good. And super reasonably priced. Business stuff now. So you told me that and I actually went and bought myself a blazer. You to, bought a bla- I knew you bought pants. I didn't know you bought a blazer. To wear to church. What I'm, color I'm did now you wearing buy? pants to church quite a bit. <laughs> well, they got, they got great pants to wear to church. So um, I just bought a black blazer. Oh, perfect. Just to go with my black pants yeah. or, or different colored pants yeah. to wear to church. Well, that's so classic. So, yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, I think that okay. about wraps it up for us tonight. Twim Nation, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, if you have any comments, you can reach out at contact at thisweekinmormons.com. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I think we're going to have hopefully some fun stuff going on next week with yes, General Conference. Some conference recaps. Some conference and recaps. And we will see you next time. Okay. Thanks for listening. Good night. <laughs>